my name is Crispina French and promoting creative textile reuse is my jam. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business and here I am today to show you how to do it too. Stick around for all the things helping to navigate both the chaotic and dreamy chapters of building your profitable textile upcycling business. We'll talk material sourcing, business savvy, product development, marketing, and self-care. Gloss over the hard parts? Not here. Experience, lessons, and know-how. Deep dive into the struggles, wins, and rewards of running your sustainable textile upcycling business. Think of this as your favorite craft class mixed with environmental business school. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Are you a textile-centric crafter who loves vintage yardage, unusual fabrics, notions, and sewing tools and tutorials? Maybe you are a sewing teacher in need of cool and inexpensive cloth for students. Whether sewing high-end bespoke couture or experimenting with new textile making processes, SwansonsFabrics.com, located in the heart of Turner's Falls, Massachusetts, has just what you need. You can shop online or at the very well-organized and jam-packed store. Swanson's Fabrics is a thrift shop of fabric, notions, and textile tools. It's a community repurposing the leftover collections of home sewers, addressing the reality that we have enough fabric and craft supplies for generations stored right in our very own attics and closets. Swanson's makes it very easy to pass on an excessive fabric stash and find inspirational treasure for sewing projects. Additionally, Katherine Swanson hosts an online group for entrepreneurs interested in using her business model for fabric thrift stores in their communities. Find Swanson Fabrics at swansonfabrics.com and on TikTok and Instagram. Hey, out there in the wild world of podcast listening people. Today, I'm really excited to introduce you to B. Lorimer of Hickey Design. Um, and my name is Crispina French, and I am the host of this podcast called Rags to Riches, a textile upcycling podcast. And I met B. Because we're both textile upcyclers, we um, kind of got to know each other a little bit in Stitcherhood, which is our membership organization for textile upcycling creatrixes. And, um, you know, it's very international and B is living proof of that statement. Um, B has been at it for a while and she makes really cool stuff. Her seasons are opposite of ours. She's in New Zealand. So um, I'd love B if you could just share a little bit about how you got here, how we met, and just give a little background about who you are and what you do. Okay. Uh, thank you. I, I actually can't remember how I found you. I guess it was probably through Instagram, but I think I've been part of Stitcherhood a year and a half, maybe. But I will say that, um, that I got your book, um, the chop shop. Uh, yes. And that was one of the first books that was kind of my inspiration when I started my upcycle business. Oh, so, that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. That's yeah, awesome. So it was very cool to kind of see that 
come full circle and yeah, be in touch with you and be doing a podcast. Oh, that's awesome. It's so fun. I, I have to say the podcast, as you know, is quite new for me. And I just have been so enjoying meeting people and being able, you know, I love to learn about people and their paths yeah. and really promote what we're doing, which is kind of like, honestly, it's changing the world. It's just so mm -hmm. exciting to see, like, we, we are getting a lot of uh, downloads. People are really enjoying um, learning about different people doing creative textile upcycling in different ways. So um, I know that you your your career has started in a in the music industry, right? Yeah, um, it's kind of done. I mean, I I've been sewing since I was about seven. Oh uh, wow. Um, yeah. From your mom? Did you learn from your mom? Yes, my mom was a big time sewer. So yeah, I started sewing quite young um, and got into the music industry uh, when I, shortly after I quit school and went to hairdressing and then, um, and then got into the music industry about 19 years old um, and started uh, touring around. So I, yeah, I used to work, I started as a lighting technician for my brother's band and we toured all around Western Canada because I used to live in Vancouver, toured all around there, did that for about five years. And then I, um, I felt like I just had to get more in touch with creative stuff. I was doing a little bit of making stage clothes, but I kind of longed to be doing a bit more. So I actually left that for a bit. And then um, started my own fashion design business. So it wasn't upcycling then, but it was a, a business called Beesworks um, in Vancouver. And I had, uh, it was pretty small, but I had a small handful of retail shops that I would um, wholesale to. I wasn't even doing markets then. Anyway, after kind of doing that for about five or six years, I then found that I was trying to balance getting touring gigs and running my business. And I ended up um, closing down my business and I was kind of getting a bit disillusioned with stuff in the fashion industry anyway. <laughs> Which is not hard to touring. do, let me just yeah, say. <laughs> and then went back to touring and this time with um, sort of bigger artists and touring all around the world. And, um, were you still doing lighting design at that point? No. Um, w in my second round of, of, uh, music industry, it was like, uh, doing wardrobe production assistant, um, tour manager. So kind of back backstage stuff. So wow. I did, how cool. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a great life. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, very interesting way to, to see the world and, um, yeah, spend my 20s, 30s. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Time goes by fast, doesn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. And so when you were doing, like, was Bees Works kind of stage clothing? Was it kind of like uh, music-y, like flamboyant um, sort of I stuff? Mean, I or? suppose it, it kind of had that rock and roll feel to it a little bit. Colorful? Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I remember like I did these sort of pirate shirts. I mean, this was in the this was in the 80s. I did like this um kind of biker style jacket but just in, you know, cotton. Um I did some hand painted stuff. 
Cool. That sounds awesome. And then, so then you went back to the music industry. You were doing like, you were touring with some big name people, right? Did- yeah. So I worked with, um, I did quite a few tours with Katie Lang. Um, I worked, I uh, did a couple of little tours with bare naked ladies, all, all Canadian bands pretty much. Yeah. Um, Oh, I played it. I think the not the first Woodstock, but the one of the Woodstock festivals that happened in oh god, nineteen ninety or ninety two or something like that. Um, toured quite a bit with another Canadian band called the Tragically Hip. So I was their tour manager. Uh, worked with Diana Crawl. Um, she's a jazz pianist, another Canadian, and I was mm-hmm. uh, like personal assistant her oh that sounds so cool yeah when you um i just have to say that for all you listeners out there if you can hear my dog walking around please pardon the interruption he's really cute he's a puppy he's supposed to be downstairs i'm staying out of trouble but um anyways yes i have a really cute dog um but back to you b so the you're in the music industry. I can imagine that just that kind of transient lifestyle got really tiring. Was that, did that prompt a change for you or what, what prompted it, the change to, to New Zealand? Right. First of all, and then yeah. to well, the different um, industry. I did love the lifestyle. I mean, there were some times when I just, you know, longed to be able to be at home watching the six o'clock news or cooking dinner for myself instead of catering in hotels and, And that type of thing. But mostly it was um, my, uh, I got pregnant. So that'll uh, do it every time. Right. (laughs) So I was with Diana Crawl at the time. And uh, my partner was also on that tour. So um, I toured until I was about six or seven months pregnant. And then, yeah, it was time to come off the road. Yeah. So, and that, that was quite a, transition yeah quite a lifestyle change oh i can imagine i mean i was just joking with someone the other day about how you know when i had my first child i was it was like for for two weeks i couldn't imagine like what what did i do like what did i just do and i wasn't on tour i mean i had a busy life but it wasn't such a a a sort of drastic change i mean it it was drastic believe me like it was like i can only imagine how drastic it must have been to roll that change in just like how you traverse the world as well as a really a lifestyle change right like just yeah yeah and kind of your your whole to a certain extent your whole identity is wrapped up in you know being in the music industry and being on tour and um and so your you, friends are probably all on tour, right? Like yeah, all the exactly. people you social. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you really have to kind of rethink, okay, this, this is my new life now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. A similar sort of thing um, that I experienced in my life was the shift from doing a lot of wholesale shows. And mm-hmm. I, I would be in places all over the country, sometimes the world. And I, you know, I had friends that were on the same circuit as me. And then yeah. when I stopped doing wholesale shows, I kind of lost, I, I didn't lose touch. Like I stay in touch with a lot of those people, mm. but it's just really different it's when you're not totally, hanging yeah. out in person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Quite right. Yeah. 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 So then what led you from that, like, you know, new mothership, right. To now all, okay. Now you've got this pretty successful Hecke design business. You're making these, I mean, every time I check out your, your Instagram feed, mm-hmm. I see new, beautiful, like super well-designed 
items that are like, I know you're making these cute linen jackets, you're doing jeans. I mean, the first things I saw of yours were sweaters, right? Like, um, and the other thing I find really notable about your line is it's pretty affordable. So Mm -hmm. I would love for you to share a little bit about what, what prompted that? Like, how did you get involved in that? And what, what was that like? Okay. For you? So, uh, when my, my, my ex-partner is a Kiwi. So I think when my daughter was about four or five, we decided it was time to, you know, he wanted to have a chance being in New Zealand again. So, so that's what brought us to New Zealand. Um, and again, with a, with a young child and in a new country, it was kind of time to figure out, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. So I've always been, you know, uh, an op shopper and I've always been fairly creative and a sewer, obviously. So I, you know, went around to op shops on our little island here. And this was the first time I realized how much stuff op shops throw out. Like I really wasn't aware of that before. And once I saw that there was literally a mountain of garbage bags of stuff that was being tossed out. I I thought, no, that's just crazy. Like, why? What's wrong with it? And yeah. at first, so I said, can I, um, you know, do you mind if I, if can, can I have some of this? I want to sort of, I don't know, play with a project idea. And I, for the first few months, I was taking home everything. Like they, they didn't really want me to go through it. So I had, it was really overwhelming, actually. I had like just a ton of stuff and maybe, I don't know, 30% of it usable. So yeah, I guess from there, I learned to um, kind of figure out what's going to be useful to me and take the things that are useful and not feel like I have to take every single thing that's being thrown out. Yeah. (laughs) That was, wow, overwhelming. Um, Yeah, so I started sort of playing around with what I could do with secondhand clothing. And kind of the more I looked, you know, I came across your book. I saw that this thing called upcycling was, um, was becoming a thing. So just yeah, just kind of started from there. And that would have been about 2009, 2010. Um, did a few little markets, you know, just our local market started selling stuff. And it's just, just slowly grown from those. That's, I think that's such a cool story because I think it's, it's sort of a shared story by a lot, a lot of people Mm have, um, a, as I, I, maybe not the realization about the waste, but just like a similar story where there's like, you don't really need a huge amount of money. It's like one of the things I love about textile upcycling is that it's pretty accessible to pretty yeah. to anyone, right? Like I, I tell people, I literally started my business with $20 and a pair of scissors. Exactly. Like, you know, I was a college kid, like, you know, you were a new mom, whatever, like you, you yeah. just need to like, you know, there's, there's a lot of creativity that goes into every aspect, not just the production of making the thing, but like just creative thinking to Mm. get way outside the box that most people have kind of identified as, you know, starting a business. Like you need a business plan and you need to have like your cost of goods and all this stuff. And it's like, that's not exactly how textile upcycling businesses really flourish. Well, and that's that's what I actually really love about the design is that you don't just like before when I was doing my, my first fashion design business, 
you know, you, you kind of come up with a, a design and a, you know, a, um, like a palette kind of. Yeah. And you kind of, you know, maybe do some little sketches and it all goes together. And this, this is what you'll release for fall, winter. Yeah. And then you go and, you know, look for the material that's going to be right. But with upcycling, you look at, okay, what is it that's being thrown out in a huge amount? Okay. There's tons of t-shirts. Great. What can I do with t-shirts? What size are they? Okay. Well, a lot of them are like that big. So Therefore, whatever I'm going to design, I have to think about the pattern pieces being only that big. And, um, you know, they're, they're not long enough to cut one full piece like that. So how am I going to do that in a way that I can do it consistently with most average size T-shirts? So right. you really have to think about your whole design differently than if you're just going, OK, I like that bolt of fabric. I'll cut something from that. So right. It, it just challenges you more, I think. Yeah. I totally agree. And yeah. I think for, you know, I can't like, there was a point in time where I didn't realize that the recycled aspect of my collection was like really integral to who I was and what my collection was. And I mm-hmm. kind of branched out and I thought, well, and actually now, you know, dead stock at the time was, I, I didn't think of it as recycling. Cause I just thought, well, that's fabric. That's new. It's not right. really recycling, but you know, I did a project with Woolrich years ago and I just remember like the sky was the limit. I mean, you could cut that stuff into anything. You could make coats or jackets or pants or knickers or slippers. You could just, I mean, hats, you know, I, right. I, it was, that became like that feeling of like overwhelm. Like I couldn't figure out where to focus because there was just, there was no limitations. There was, right. it was just, and when you're using clothing, like you said, like you got to figure out your pattern pieces, you got to figure out how to use the material efficiently. So you're not creating a lot of waste. And so there's that kind of like creative thinking is, I think it's a really commonly shared trait amongst people who do this as work. I yeah, do. I when feel- you put limitations around something, then you're, you're you're working within a smaller thing and you have to be more creative because you've got, you know, yeah. and isn't it funny about, about dead stock? I know that, there, well, I've since learned that there's an insane amount of dead stock fabric that gets thrown out. But that to me still, because of how I've worked, still feels like cheating. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. and it's so nice that it's like... For a long time, I felt the same way. And I think that one of the things I've kind of come to realize through the, actually through the research I've done for the, um, for the summit, the rags to riches summit, like, like you said, there is so much dead stock that actually does wind up in the landfill, which to me just seems like so insane. I mean, it's really just unbelievable how, how wasteful the, the textile industry in general can be. And it's, but I have to say, um, it's changing. It's changing. There's an uptick um, in, of interest. I mean, you know, thinking back to when I got started and realizing like people didn't know, like you said, upcycling was like a new thing. Like yeah. there were no blue bins on the curb in 1987 <laughs> when I started. People didn't know what recycled meant, you know? Exactly. So, you know, if there's that, I just want to, I always have to remind myself when I get like, a little like frustrated or whatever when I'm doing a lot of like gentle education about how upcycling is important to realize that there has been strides made and they're continuing. And actually I feel like 
the, the sort of jog of, of evolution is turning into almost, it's getting closer to a sprint and it yeah. feels so exciting. It so, really is inspiring seeing that, you know, the number of upcyclers that there are out there and, uh, yeah, sort of bigger, bigger labels, I guess, doing their bit to get on board, not positive how authentic they are, but, but there's just so many more upcyclers and sort of all working in different ways and different styles. And yeah, you know, there's not just one patchworky hippie upcycle look. There's, you know, it runs clean design. Like, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Hey, so if you're just joining us, I am speaking with B Lorimer from Hickey Design today on the Rags to Riches podcast. And my name is Crispina French. I'm your host. And we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society, my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, weekly stitch hours, book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. Head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business. All right, cool. So we're coming back from our break and I'm with B. B. Uh, I almost called you B. Hecke. It's B. Lorimer from Hecke Design um, down in New Zealand. And we were just talking about like how there's this huge surge in the interest of in textile upcycling and a lot of new creative, um, well, creative people doing really individual and their own style work. And it's just, mm -hmm. that's, that's always so encouraging to me. And one of the things I love about textile upcycling, and I remember hearing back when I started, like, you know, aren't you concerned that you wrote a teaching book? Like, aren't you concerned that you're going to run out of material? And, and I thought, um, oh no. my God, no. I mean, I would love to run out of material. Like, wouldn't that be the wonderful day? Uh, you know, when there, I'm sorry, there's no more garbage. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that. there's sort of this, this, uh, community feel, right? Like upcyclers, there doesn't seem to be as much like competition as there is in the more traditional, uh, fashion industry where, you know, people are very cagey about like sharing their designs before mm. they're released and what fabrics they're using and whatever. And with upcycling, there seems to be like a really kind of cool, really tangible kind of community vibe. Do you feel that way yeah. too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we just sort of all have the same ethos and yeah, yeah I mean, we, we kind of want the same things and we, I think the more people see different upcycle designers, the more, you know, acceptable, normal, whatever it will become. And, and I mean, that's just going to benefit all of us as creators and of course, you know, the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where the, the kind of the commonality of working toward the general good is kind of what enables us to 
feel that connection, right? Mm-hmm. Like across across continents. Honestly, like yeah. you know, today with you, it's just it feels so nice to have the opportunity to promote what you're doing. I wonder, um, in New Zealand, do you find are there lots of other people doing upcycled things? Or are you feeling like um, are you out front and there's people kind of lo- watching? Um, or how's that for you? There would be a handful more. I'm trying to think if there's anyone doing it on a a you know sort of a fairly you know big scale certainly lots of smaller businesses i mean lot, lots of sustainable stuff going on there's there's a handful of you know regular fashion lines that are still made in new zealand although that's that's getting less and less um yeah i i guess the upcycling community is pretty small, but there are, there are a handful of others. Yeah. That's so cool. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I, I think is really cool about Hickey design is that, you know, you've kind of worked out your production, right? You, you're able, you, you have a retail store, you, you, you know, are pretty much sell direct to consumer. Am I right? Do you have any wholesale accounts? Yeah. Uh, no, I kind of tried playing with that a bit over the years and I've, I don't know. I found that a bit tricky. Uh, maybe stores might be more on board with it now, but just th- that it's hard to get a consistent, um, yeah. you know, they want 12 or something, right? Exactly. They like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want 12 so, of that one. Well, yeah. So yeah I'm they- also um, part of an upcycle collective here on Waiheke, which I started with a, a friend of mine 10 years ago. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a, a collective and we've, we've always had a shop right in the, in the main village. Um, and so that's where I sell my stuff and I do, I do some markets. I used to do markets a real lot, but slightly less. So I'm trying to kind of focus more on, um, online. Um, and I do a lot of workshops yeah. You teach yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, for anybody who's listening and learning about B's, um, business for the first time, I really encourage you to follow her on Instagram. She's there. Your feed is awesome. It's, it's mm-hmm. so nice to just kind of, you, you know, you show a lot of your, um, customer shots, you show a lot of like process stuff and your material collection. It's just really, um, interesting. And one of the, uh, in addition to, you know, your, your kind of company vibe and your, your product, which I just, it's very wearable. It's not like, you know, sometimes you know, it, it's, it's affordable, it's wearable. It's, it's like, you can, you know, live your life in your clothing. It's not like mm-hmm. fancy dress. It's not like super expensive and you're going to, you know, oh, I don't want to wear that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, um, the, you know, that is really cool. And then the other thing I love about it is your material collection process. Can you talk a little bit about how you um, partnered with your your supplier? So, um, I mean, I started my business when I went to our local op shop and saw what was happening there. And I have since been volunteering at the op shop and I help sort uh, pretty much a, a few hours a week. And so because I've been doing that for so long, I I collect anything that's not sellable and so now what i mostly collect is a lot of merino we we get quite quite a bit of merino wool in new zealand so a lot of merino and kind of other wool um to do that thing a lot of jeans 
and um yeah a few other different materials but kind of mostly those so a lot of the other volunteers now know what i collect and they will keep stuff aside for me instead of throwing it out and also because uh being part of this shop a lot of people in the community know that they can drop stuff off so i'll always get stuff dropped off you know sometimes i'll have like i I think a little while ago, I went went into my car and, you know, we don't lock our cars on Waiheke. And lo and behold, sitting in the front seat was a big bag of Merino. No, <laughs> no you know, nothing on it was like, okay, thank you, Waiheke community. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So, and, and the thing that I especially like is that you're collecting clothing for the most part. That's not really resaleable, right? It's like stains and holes and exactly. stuff that's going to cost. Literally like 80, 90% of what I collect was going to be in the landfill. It's that is so, so crazy. cool. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever tracked the volume? Like how many pounds of stuff you oh. recycle or how many kilos? So I started kind of, no, not by weight, but I started kind of figuring that I was collecting a, you know, a, a standard size, like one of those big, you know, black garbage bags, pretty much a week. And I think at about whatever it was, six or seven years, I figured I'd kept about 500 garbage bags out of the landfill. But I really should, because jeans are heavy, I really should start weighing stuff. Yeah. Let's see. Um, yeah, I guess like do a waste audit, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. And, you know, once you have captured the information, then you can kind of look back and go, okay, well, probably, you know, you, you'll, your yeah. educated guess is going to be pretty accurate. And it just, it, I don't know, it makes you feel really good when you can yeah. really put your finger on what you've done. And like in your community where, you know, you live on a little island, right? And yeah. so what what do they normally do with their trash? Like what happens to it? Do you know? Um, so we have a local tip where stuff goes to, and then it gets, uh, I think it gets shipped off Island. They do some recycling on Island, but, but yeah, all the trash gets sent over to Auckland, but I know that that's, you know, that's expensive. Yeah. 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 It's expensive in so many ways, right? Like yeah. I think that's one of the things that I see really kind of breaking down as we get into this uh, new era of awareness around textile waste is that people are becoming less uh, kind of their, their first uh, uh, criteria for making a purchase is not necessarily the cheapest. Right. You know, I, I, I see people going, well, how was it made and who right. made it? You know, I see, uh, you know, there was a beautiful campaign um, started a couple of years ago. Like I made your clothes. Have you seen that on Instagram yes. where, yes, and it's just, yes, it's, so beautiful. Yeah. it's like, I don't know, just to, to acknowledge the people who are the makers and, you know, not just people like you and I who are entrepreneurial, but the people who sit in factories and crank out your, you know, whatever it is, your leggings or your bras exactly. and underpants, you know, thousands at a time. So um, really cool to have that awareness building. And I think those, those two things really kind of mesh and, mm. you know, what are the, you know, we, we, we hear a lot about fast fashion and about how, you know, these giant companies make clothing for like the lowest price possible. And the people yeah. who are making those garments are not necessarily, um, well, they certainly are not, um, 
treated in any kind of manner that um, you or I or anyone listening would want to be treated. So um, not only when you support a textile upcycling business, are you supporting the planet by removing that level of trash? You're also, um, you know, supporting ethical treatment of labor, right? Exactly. Yeah. So talk about Waikiki. Uh, Is that how you say the name? Yeah. So it comes from Waikiki. Yep. And is it, this is a little island that's obviously part of New Zealand. And how far is it from like the mainland? So we're about a 40-minute ferry ride from downtown Auckland. And Waiheke apparently is the wedding capital of New Zealand. Um, <sighs> we've got, got something like 30 different vineyards. So real wine growing area and more recently olives as well. Um, I think some big magazine, Condé Nast, Traveler, something like that, uh, voted Waiheke, like, I don't know, in the top 10 places to visit. So oh, it, lovely. it is a beautiful love- little spot. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I love, I would love to, I have dreams about going to New Zealand at some point yeah. in my life. And I, I would, I, you know, just the outdoors is what I think of when I think of New yes. Zealand, but, you know. Yeah. All those uh, Lord of the Rings movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, what what's your what are you working on most in your business right now? Like what what is, like if you could fast forward, let's just say two years from now. What 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 do you? Everything went exactly how you'd lo- love it to go. What are you doing? Uh, oh boy, hard question. Um, I mean, still, still creating my clothing I you know I kind of have been thinking that I like this idea of um because I have this kind of production and construction kind of brain I guess and I guess through my teaching as well I love this idea of being able to kind of consult on you know how to turn this design into something upcycled and how to reproduce it so it's scalable affordable like that that kind of thing you know i i do really like so so maybe doing maybe consulting with some of the companies that are creating waste that need you know they want to use it and they just don't know how that exactly yeah so yeah so if i could see that this company is producing however many pieces of this size of this type of material, what could we do with it? Or other upcyclers that have ideas, you know, I want to make this, but it's taking me two hours. How can I, you know, speed that up? That, that, that sort of thing I like. Yeah. And getting my hickey design far and wide. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I see that happening. And I think that it's really, um, there's such an opportunity for you. I feel like, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies are new to it and they don't understand the costing involved and they're not really sure if what they're selling is making them any money. You've been at it a while, you know, that your pricing is solid and you have your production figured out, you have your material sourcing figured out, and now you're just working on, you know, spreading the word. And I feel like, the 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 world is ripe like we we need you out in the world so <laughs> i think that um if you haven't seen b's collection you really need to go check it out i know that um 
your Hickey Design website is hickeydesign.com. The, the, you'll find her also on Instagram and um, we have links to all of these places on our show notes page for today's episode. And also, B, you, you offered a really sweet um, little perk for our listeners. Can you share a little bit about oh, that? Oh, yes. So uh, anyone that was listening to this and got all the way to the end here, if you go to my uh, Etsy shop, which you can click through either from Instagram or from my website, anything in my Etsy shop, if you put in the code podcast, then you can get 20% off. Which is awesome. That's so generous. Oh my gosh, you guys go there, check it out. Um, show be some love, follow her on Instagram, share her stuff, um, get the word out. This girl is ready to really amp it up and get her product out into the world. Um, and the cool thing for you too is like we're opposite season. So you can make your merino wool sweaters all year round and That's cater right. to the Northern Hemisphere, yes. right? And I'm doing a lot of, um, with the merino, just thinking I'm doing a lot of uh, more unisex stuff now. Yeah. So I'm doing like a pullover that's um yeah, that's unisex. Um I might really cool my and sweater coats and yeah. This, yeah, your sweater coats are amazing. I love them. Um, and the jeans, I have to say, look <laughs> at the jeans. I think they're pretty new and they're just like I just I just love them. I've seen a lot of people do like you know, recycled, upcycled jeans. And I don't, the way that you're doing them is just like really lovely. So check those out and be sure to review the podcast on Apple podcasts. If you have a second, share it, subscribe, get the word out. The more people who listen and are aware of our need to find joy in upcycling textiles, the better off we all are. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining today. It was really fun to be with you. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Van Valhyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com.